Hello and welcome to Alive or Just Blathering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blathering, I'll be taking us through Bleed American by Jimmy Eat World. Fuck, that's a banger. Yeah, I have had a fantastic week listening to this album. And, uh, I mean, 16, 17-year-old me did not appreciate it at the time. 35-year-old me absolutely is in love with this album now. 16, 17-year-old me didn't even know this album exists. And it is a fucking... It is it's, it's, it's absolute gold. What a complete gem of an album. It is. It's wonderful. I've, I don't think I've been this excited about an album that we've reviewed... Bef- not reviewed, but, you know, an, an album that we've revisited before because I, 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 I didn't... I mean, don't get me wrong, I've, I've been excited about Hybrid Theory and I've been excited about Infest and... and, and other albums but like this is one i didn't know and and i have i have been fucking tapping my toes through for the last week listening to this album it's great it is a great great album i know i know hello and welcome everyone yep so this week we are going to be talking about a very very good album uh that we've sort of revisited and uh you know if you're new here thanks very much for for dropping in Hello. We we talk about the album. We're going to be having a meander through the sort of the album's history, and then touching on how that, what that meant to us, and you know, discovering little things about ourselves along the way. Uh, but if you're returning back to us, thank you very much for coming back. Uh, it's always always a pleasure to have uh, returning listeners as well. Uh, if you do want to join in the conversation, please do hit us up on Instagram and Twitter. We're at AOGB Podcast. And we are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash AOGB podcast. So yeah, positive, positive experience on Bleed American then, Keith. Yeah, maybe maybe some spoilers there by saying I've not or I've never really listened to this album and, and I've had an absolute great time so far. But that's just how sort of buzzed I am about this album, man. I'm I'm so glad you picked it because I'm aware of Jimmy Eat World. I'm sure most people listening are aware of Jimmy Eat World, but I never really got past the middle or sweetness do you know i didn't i didn't pick up any of their albums i didn't go back or know of at the time any of their their stuff and what what an opportunity miss that could have been because this this is a this is has been an absolute highlight of my week is is getting familiar with these songs and getting to know them and they've been they've been wonderful totally that is that has been it i mean this was a, a off the cuff one that I was going to do, it was on the list. It was going to get picked eventually, but on last week's chat, you brought up Mark Trombino, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, what other albums did he do? He did Bleed American." I was like, "You know what? There's there's one I want to talk about because it's it's got we a story. Did have it's a got some bit of a discrepancy last week where you had sort of agreed your album beforehand and then changed half, you know, changed at the end because the, because it, this was mentioned, and I thought, "What the fuck is he doing?" But great call, man. I, I think I would have loved this way more than than what your other choice was going to be. But 
Possibly. Very possibly. You knew Jimmy Eat World. You, you knew this album, Bleed American, before, you know, when it was released. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll get my words out here. You, you, you were familiar with the album. You have grown up with this album. What was it? What was it like going back? It's been an absolute journey. And I think there's one takeaway from this that I had never connected the dots of how influential this album, this band, is on the music that I do listen to today. The, the new artists that are coming through. And I think something I did say is that this band have no fucking right being so important <laughs> to the to all the bands that I listen to. And once I've now that I've made that link, I, I can't unsee it. And these guys just if the, if I hadn't have heard these when I heard other bands later down the line, I don't think I would have appreciated them as much. So going back to this, I really see this as a as a proper watershed moment in hearing this style of music. I don't know how we can classify it. I don't want to... The, the word emo gets thrown around far too far mm-hmm. too easily. Yeah, you could put together three emo bands, I'll say in comments, and they could sound entirely okay. different. Right, I'll stop you there because there's a couple of things to unpack. Okay. So... I, I've, I've, in taking my notes, I've also sort of struggled on on how to categorize what is Jimmy Eat World. But you were saying, and we'll get there. But you were saying there's a couple of, or, or there's a lot of influence you find from this album in music you listen to now. So what what are we talking about here? What where where have you seen these influences? Well, a lot of my music tastes sort of really got in the swing of things. I would say about eleven years ago. About 11 years ago, I was taken to a gig and I, it was the first time I heard the band Title Fight. Okay. And they were supported by a band called Basement. Right. And basically, every Basement album is just a Jimmy Eat World album. Right, I'm not familiar with, with either band. They They just play this super emotional, driven pop punk. Right. It gets lumped in. There's, there's, there's. It's hard to describe it because it was in a, it was post the that sort of pop punk phase of of your Paramours and all time lows, and it was into a new one. So when you had bands like the Story So Far, and uh, the Menzingers, they started this sort of new wave of of pop punk. You could say which was more angst driven, mm. was a lot more emotive. Jimmy World were doing it 10 years earlier yeah, with Bleed American. And when I've started, like, put metaphorically rummaging around in their, in their back catalogue. In their underpants. And you see the album, and they're, you know, take, taking, a, taking a wee kick, kick down below. Things were just there. They were, they were part of this emo scene. And I'll use the word emo, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Of, of bands that were very um, classes like that 90s emo, I think it gets called in some circles. I was never really into it. I The the bands that are, are listed, you know, they, they could fill out a pitchfork fucking bill on a, uh, at a at a festival. They're just not bands that I was ever really that into. There's bands called Mineral. Not familiar with them. There is, there's some, there's a, I've got I've got both their albums like I've got them and I'm aware of their existence. I'm thinking the one you know I'd have to look if I look on like 
Praise Chorus, for example, all the references that get made to other bands in there. So um, you've got the Promise Ring. They get they get brought up quite a lot. Yeah, there's Weezer as as well, sort of early yeah, Weezer stuff that. sort of falls in with it. It was never music I was heavily, heavily into. I was aware of it. I knew it was there, but it just wasn't my thing. At, my, at that time, in 2001, when this came out, my thing was probably Blink One Eight Two and similar though, not not the same because it's yeah Blink One Eight Two are clearly that pop punk genre, but I can see why you would like Blink One Eight Two and Jimmy World at the same time. Just looking at our old mate uh, Spotify's sort of fans also like Dashboard Confessional, something yeah. corporate. Now when we started when I started listening to this album, this was the the next band I'm about to say was the first song that came into my mind, and it was Saves the Day. Excellent, excellent choice. Another another one of those bands that were just there and yeah. they had this much more mature sound. You know, you've got Blink One It Two making dick and fart jokes. Take off your pants and jacket. And then you've got Jimmy World writing songs that are so meta. Beautiful. Beautiful songs, yeah. That song you were singing at the beginning, the authority song, is about dun, 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 someone dun, 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 dun. putting a song called Authority Song on a jukebox to get the courage up to go and ask a girl out in a bar. And it's like a wonderful little callback. It's a super geeky callback, which Jimmy World apparently were really, really into their fucking music at the time. Yeah. And and they and they brought that into their into what into their writing. Along with Saves the Day, I I had to spend like an hour listening to At Your Funeral and I was singing it for a very long time. But yeah, along with with Saves the Day, you've also got brand new and a couple other bands I'm not familiar with, the, the Get Up Kids, the Starting Line, Sugar Cult. I don't, I don't really know these bands. But yeah, I think... So, as we're saying, I'm writing my notes and I don't really know how to call this. I'm call, I've am i not used the word emo and I've, I have used pop punk. But then I also just typed pop rock or rock pop. Like, because... I think I've, I've written alt rock emo pop is what I've sort of... Yeah. Just in a, in a challenge to sort of just categorize yeah. the music that you listen to, and it, it it comes from it comes from newspapers and magazines when they're reviewing, so that someone who's reading a review of an album can sort of try and link it to something else and have some awareness about it. These these guys really were. I don't think they pushed any boundaries as such, but they really took what was popular at the time and made it as good as it could be, and it was. Yeah. So good. Do you think if they were an English band, they'd be an indie band? Uh yeah, I can see that. I think England and England, Scotland, Wales have that Brit pop vibe in there, yeah. sort of early two thousand stuff. So there was a band we were just discussing before recording there earlier. You know, Hell is for Heroes, I would lump them in with bands like the D four, Block Party. Yep. I got um, I got some major block party vibes. On this album, just the intricacies of of the sort of the guitar play and the vocal lines and stuff like that. I got a lot of um, I got a lot of Block Party out of this album. Not 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 too much. I'm not saying they were ripoffs or, or clones of each other in 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 any sense. But in listening to to these these songs, I got some Block Party vibes. Yep. The one that was sticking with me quite a bit throughout this was comparing it to what we were listening to the week before so a week week earlier 
we've gone through what it is to burn and that was a debut album mm-hmm. and it felt like a debut album it was a band that were finding their feet they were experimenting they're playing around mm-hmm. this was their jimmy world's fourth studio album wow and they were formed in 1993 and they were basically signed within six months of forming by Capitol Records. Jings. It didn't go well. They, the, the, their relationship with Capitol Records, they got a couple of albums out of it. But then the, the album before Bleed American, Clarity, was that the record label just hated it. It wasn't what they wanted. They'd, they'd asked them to go to the studio and redo bits and change things. And the um, the... That was also produced by Mark Trombino. And it was Mark that they brought in to try and like bring the album to life a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's now apparently like Clarity is widely regarded as some landmark 90s emo album. It only really found its feet when it got a song on a very famous film. Which was? Uh, Never Been Kissed. <laughs> oh, man. Awful story about never being kissed. No, the Drew Barrymore film. The Drew Barrymore film. Oh, fuck. So, that... Was that... Was... Oh, okay. What was... That's that's the one where, where Drew Barrymore... Oh, yeah, no, I, I know the film. What was, what, what was um, Team I don't, America? I don't mean to get mixed up with... I don't want to get mixed up with 21 Jump Street here, but does she, is she a police officer? No. Why, why does she go back to school as a kid? I don't care to what's remember the, what's the premise don't care to what is remember. the premise on that my point is what was the team america rating what it was an r so what team america was maybe like a 15 in the uk i'd say that yeah i mean um south park yeah bigger longer uncut was a 15 so yeah that would be about right. right so my school friends and i went to the cinema to go see team america because we thought it was a 12 but it was a 15 so we we couldn't they wouldn't let us in to see Team America. So we all went to see Never Been Kissed. Brilliant! <laughs> it was fucking you, awful. Heard, so you've heard the song. You've heard the song. At some point, I've heard the song, but I I don't know to 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 say that that song was in Never Been Kissed or Jimmy Eat World were in that film. Fast forward a couple of weeks, and like this girl asks me to go to the cinema, and I only realised when we got to the cinema that she kind of intended it to be a date. Like, I just thought, oh, cool, who else is coming? And it was only when her dad picked me up and we got there, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm on a date with this person. And she brought her best friend. So there's me and this other girl at this... At going to this me, me and these two girls going to the cinema. And guess what we went to go see? Did you see Never Been Kissed twice at the cinema? I have seen Never Been Kissed in the cinema in Wester Hales twice. <laughs> within like three or four weeks of each other and it is oh christ i cringe every time i see that film man I, i'm surprised you don't know more about this film then i should ask you more but the song was called lucky denver mint and Thanks. it it was uh it was sitting about there'd been some promos have been passed out to radio stations and it just by complete luck got picked up to be put in never been kissed and that got them some traction it got them a little bit of uh, attention the the reason they were on capital in the first place was the ceo at the time gary gersh he really really liked them mm-hmm. and he actually gave them a super like relaxed deal they were still allowed to do like independent ep releases they were still allowed to just like book their own shows but capital were just funding this sort of like developing them 
That's interesting. But they couldn't release an album because that was on Capitol's say-so. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't until Lucky Denver Mint they they finally put Clarity out there. Uh, it didn't didn't really sell that sell all that well because Capital had absolutely given up on them and barely promoted it. So I'm looking on the Wikipedia just now. When did Capital become DreamWorks Pictures? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were drinking right when I said that. So after leaving Capital, the band self-financed the recording of what became Bleed American. That's big. They for, had all these singles. For what, 2001? That's huge. They absolutely spent every penny they had on this album. So they toured. They did a tour of Europe mm-hmm. on the final loan they got of Capital. They released some singles, like an, an album, you could say, called Singles, which was just a load of like B-sides, things that had been recorded over the decade that they just had like lumped together. So with the sales of that record and they made money from touring, Mm -hmm. they then put that into Bleed American. And I mean, I'm glad it was so it was so on the edge. They couldn't afford to pay Mark Trombino. Wow. He did this for free. What a lad, though. Thank you, Mark Trombino, for this absolute gift. Knowing that they'd be good for it. He knew this was something special that was being created and he knew it was going to be huge or at least he knew he, he just trusted the band he'd worked with them already so he wasn't a stranger to them and he just had every faith that this was going to be the breakout album for them and boy was he right wow i've just boy oh boy sorry complete complete segue i might even have zoned out for a second there but i'm just looking at youtube because i was looking at the video i wanted to see the videos of of Jimmy Eat World because I don't you know I go on about music videos as much as I also go on about how much I don't like them because I was going to go on and talk about how much I don't really recognise anything they did after this and I've just seen a video from four days ago Travis Barker on Tom DeLonge rejoining Blink-182 has that happened? not that I know of yeah, right. well, maybe, not that I know of at all maybe we'll pick this up later <laughs> Poor Matt, poor Matt Skeever, if that's the case. Oh, they, poor Matt they were two semi-okay albums. Uh, you asked the question of where did DreamWorks get involved in all this. Yes, thank you. So Mark's place in the industry basically meant that he had a lot of connections. He was able to send some samplers out to people and there was a buzz sort of building up. And what that allowed is it allowed Jimmy World, the band, to be a bit more open and relaxed about deals they knew they could sort of push some away and and wait till the best ones come on they they absolutely had their fingers burnt being on capital they learned a lot sure. they learned a hard lesson very early on in their career and they were able to use that to their advantage there were people apparently turning up to the studio from like all these record companies a and r people just like just trying to get their nose in, mm. being like, "Oh, if you bring this to us, we'll give you this. Bring this to us, we'll give you that," and they just had to like weather it, you know. Yep, that's cool. But then they they settled. They 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 were in the driving seat. They settled on our folks at DreamWorks Records to release the album. Now, unbelievable that they didn't end up on a Shrek soundtrack. They did not end up on a Shrek soundtrack. That's abysmal. I don't think they ended up on. 
they ended up on another one. I, I was going to write it down. I did not. There was another. They ended up on several game soundtracks. Okay. Um, I know that off the next album, Futures, that was on a Burnout game. Wow. Because it was my favorite song on the Burnout game. Loser. But the 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 work they did with DreamWorks was it allowed them to to sort of really still be really independent of themselves i mean that's that's pretty good to say that in 2000 2001 these guys had that flexibility they actually went off themselves and funded their own album i mean this is long before crowdfunding or 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 whatever was was a thing and and it, it's dare i say they've bucked the curve a little bit and and not being trapped into like four or five seven album deals and and what have you yeah, and DreamWorks, they were also the home of our second podcast episode, Infest by Papa Roach. Yep. And of course, how did uh, how did uh, Papa Roach get onto DreamWorks? I don't recall. How did Papa Roach get on DreamWorks? Was that just... I've forgotten their name. It was two R&B producers. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's going to frustrate me not knowing, not remembering that. I've got my notes. I've got my notes. Because as, as I want to say Ben and Jerry, um, oh, so it's not so good. close and so insulting at the same time. It was uh, fucking Tim and Bob, Tim and Bob, Tim, Tim, <laughs> Tim, Tim Kelly and Bob Robinson, also known as Defunct Ones. If you want to know how Defunct. two R and B producers got Papa Roach a record label, check out our second episode in Fest. Good plug, good plug. Thank you. Hashtag always be plugging. <laughs> I like this little fact. This was a, like, a, a nice one that I, I sort of pulled up. The name of the band, Jimmy Eat World. The one that always gets me... So the, the, the main... The, the guy at the front, the lead singer, he's called Jim Adkins. Mm-hmm. So I always just assumed that it was something to do with him because his name is Jim. The band's name is Jimmy Eat World. There'll be some, some connection that way. Logical assumption. However... In a 1990 interview, the guitarist, Tom Linton, who actually used to be the lead vocalist, by the way, but Clarity was the first album that uh, Jim took over. Right. Tom Linton revealed the name. Sorry, did you say did you say 1990 or 1999? Nin- 1999. Thank you. Pronunciate. Oh, do you want me to go, 1999? That's over-pronunciation. <laughs> over, over. Okay. In 1999... Thank you. Uh, guitarist Tom Linton revealed the name Jimmy Eat World is not in reference to lead singer Jim Adkins, but instead refers to a, a memory he has about his brothers called Jim and Ed. And when they were younger, they would have they would fight quite a lot, apparently. Sure. And after one particular fight, Ed would run away into his room and he drew a picture, a mean picture of his brother Jimmy. A mean, mean picture. Mean, mean. How, what? How? Okay. How do you draw a mean picture? It was a. It was a picture did of his big, brother Jimmy. Did he have a big butt. Was it like, oh, look at you, Jimmy. You've got a big butt because you're a big stinky butt. No. Okay. Then. It was Jimmy eating a world. Fuck off. What? <laughs> it was a sort of fat joke, apparently. As what I can read from it. Oh, so uh, a it was apparently butt. a bit of a, but a sort of a big guy type of thing. The way I imagine it, in like sort of toddleries because i've got two kids it sort of helps <laughs> is this like you're so fat imagine two kids have an argument it's like you're so fat 
you could eat a car. And then the retort is like, well, you're so fat, you could eat a house. And then finally, Ed's like, well, Jimmy, you're so fat, you could eat the world. I love that. I love that you went and translated that for us from Todd Lurie's. Yeah, no, that... Um, I had to. Your, your, your logic there is, is flawless. I can't, I can't fault you at all there. Thank you. I really had to put a lot of thought into that one. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I hate that it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, something has to. I hate that I'm like, um, oh, yeah, that probably is what it means. But yeah, no, well, that's, that, that's interesting. Now, in last week's episode, I may... No, I did. I did refer to this album as a self-titled album. Right. And sort of... I'm glad we're getting here. Quickly had to... Sort of had to jump to actually know it was Bleed American. It is, as of today, officially called Bleed American. Okay. So the title was changed after the 9-11 attacks from Bleed American to simply Jimmy Eat World. I kind of thought that was going to be it. I, when I realised the date of when this album was released and, the, you know, the title track, Bleed American, I was like, this is, go- this is going to be another September 11 thing. So do you know why all these September 11 related things got done? Money? No, far from money. Well, maybe. I don't know. There's one one of them. This is a, maybe, an, maybe actually... The September 11th attacks. Is that the reason why? I mean, obviously that was the that was the the reason it started. Um, apparently, the there was a a media company. There there is a media company called Clear Channel. Okay. They had over a thousand radio stations in America, ah. and they sent a memorandum of of request urging these radio stations to not play over 150 songs effectively it banned these songs from the radio for some time so in this list of 150 songs you think that's where we've got incubus you think that's where we've got bush is that bush good shout yep speed kills as it was called at the time that was on the list yeah. well i mean i suppose the the, the impact that incubus was their video it wasn't the name of their song yeah, that's not on this. Uh, I think that might have been their their choice, right. or their 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 producer's choice. I don't know. Sure. But but you know, this list it's got some pretty clear no brainers on there that I'd hope any DJ worth his salt would have realised that these are probably not the best songs to play at this time. I mean, one time you went, one time we were in a bar in Berlin, and you asked a DJ to play a a, a Slayer song that was not going to be well received in a bar in berlin never ever ever ask a bar in a, a dj in germany to play oh fuck what song was it i don't know i fucking hate slayer oh my god it's gonna do my head in until i remember what song that is it basically it's a song about Auschwitz. <laughs> like the first the first line of the song is Auschwitz, the meaning of pain fucking slayer what a load of shit man that's gonna absolutely do my head in that i can't remember what song that is fuck sakes moving on i'm gonna move back to what i was talking can't about. wait for you to come back to that yeah so there's some obvious choices uh apparently some apparently there's like a sort of unwritten code that in the event of of these bad things happening in america the radio stations have to be sort of somber and and recognize what's going on so there are songs like celebration 
celebrate good times, come on, that gets you know gets put on the back burner. Right. Okay. Well, it's it's like when all Liz is going to pop her clogs. Apparently, we have to go into like you know Operation London Bridges down, and the UK is supposed to go into two weeks of mourning, and like comedy is supposed to be banned from television. Fuck off. What is yeah, that shit? this is the shit. This was this was basically that level of over. I don't know how to how to refer to it really. Just nanny state general uh, nanny state being just overprotective and you know this fear of offending folk. Ah, nanny uh, state. Some of the some of the songs on this list they do make sense. Drowning pool bodies. Yep. There was people jumping out of big fucking towers while they were burning after being hit by planes. Fine. Corn Fair. falling away from me. Okay. Again. Makes sense. Soundgarden blow up the outside world. Yep. I'm I'm down with that being sort of put on the back burner to for a few fair, weeks. To be fair, with where you're going with this, the song Bleed American also makes sense. Absolutely. Right. I don't doubt the band's decision to do this, to change the name. They saw the writing on the wall with this clear channel ban, or effectively a ban, and said right there and then they just made the decision with changing the name, and they did it. There was some interesting little oversights in this uh, in this list. So, Alien Ant Farms, Smooth Criminal. That seems unnecessary. Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal wasn't. <laughs> So you could get one the bangles. Oh, oh, sorry. You could you could get one um, smooth criminal, but not the other. Yeah, one version. The one the one performed by someone with some questionable, you know, qualities at the I've time. Everybody that thought about. It. Oh, I need to. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, another one. The bangles walk like an Egyptian. Okay, seems. I mean. Seems, seems a bit racist, seems a bit, if you ask me. Yeah, a, bit, a bit tentative there. I'm not really sure of the connection. This was the one, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Again, their belief that happy music was inappropriate for broadcasting well, this, following the so, attacks. So this this also confused me. As I was saying earlier, I was looking through... Uh, I wasn't just looking through the, the YouTube videos today. I was looking through over, over the week. And I I had a video in my head... And I could have sworn it was for the song Bleed American, but I couldn't find the video for Bleed American until it was four, five, six videos down. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is this is the video. I don't I don't remember this being called this, but this is I've definitely seen, you know, your favourite type of video where it's just a live performance and they've they've, they've, <laughs> they've cut the recorded track over it. And then it's yeah, only yeah. looking at wikipedia i realized that they've renamed the song bleed american as salt sweat sugar which totally brought it all back to me and i was like yeah no that that's the song i was looking for that was the video i was looking for but what the fuck is this bleed american thing yeah that's that's one of those songs the song title got changed to salt sweat sugar it got released as salt sweat sugar in the uk because it didn't get released in the uk until afterwards whereas the album came out in america in july so it already got released as bleed, bleed american. american by that point yeah um my favorite on this on list uh-huh. so many good moments still on the clear channel list last one okay my favorite favorite of all entries on that list Wait, can i can i hazard a guess go on i'm j- 
Is it Whitney Houston? No. No, no. This one this one sort of makes sense, but kind of doesn't. This one's a very much a blanket ban. All Rage Against the Machine songs. They probably just couldn't wait to do that. I, I th- exactly. I thought they were, I think they saw plane number one hit and they were like, this is terrible. This is absolutely tragic. We can ban at least 50% of the Rage Against the Machine <laughs> discography down. Yeah. And then the second plane hit and they're like, fucking Yaldi. There we go. Ban the fucking lot of them. Fucking get that killing in the name in the bin. Get that. Get, get that. What was Gorilla Radio out by this point? Stop the video. Oh, Stop yeah. the video for Gorilla Radio. They don't. They don't get to see Wall Street. Yeah. No, that was a uh, sleep now in the fire. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Um, it was yeah, all. Yeah. It was all fucking LA, wasn't it? That album. Yeah. So that was a really, really silly sort of thing to find out about. This was was like looking at this and how sensitive people were. Uh, in in those days and in, in that uh in september 2001 so changing that was yeah okay it, it made things it, it makes things a bit interesting for, for talking about the album down the line because now officially in 2008 when they re-released the deluxe edition it was called bleed american and since 2008 that's been its official name right so 2008 so they didn't actually have to wait that long to to re- go back to its original title and sort of ha- ha- have it released as they intended it to be released. Yeah, April 28th, 2008, it officially could be recalled as Bleed American and it will now forever be known as that. When were they able to put it back on the radio? Well, I think by that <laughs> point, I think it uh, it's time on the radio might have passed. I mean, not, um, not some of these songs. So, 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 this is this is probably before this album this is the full extent of my knowledge of Jimmy World and it is Salt Sweat Sugar The Middle and Sweetness I knew those three songs and that was basically it three fantastic songs three great songs and really good songs in revisiting it yeah sort of Bleed American Salt Sweat Sugar does bring back Kerrang memories you know it, it does sort of take me back to that video and, and so in fact all of them do because they all have quite recognisable videos and they all sort of remind me of like maybe enjoying these songs but still not getting into Jimmy Eat World. Like, you know, around about this time I was I was still very much in a new metal phase. I was probably going on a on a heavier line. But for whatever reason, as a thirty something, far far greater appreciation and a refreshed appreciation for these songs. Yeah, they're great. Especially the sweetness. Well, they're the ones that got released. So they all had videos. They all had their MTV2, their Kerrang! playtime. So, yeah, they they all had this this sound which obviously worked. Well, it, it sort of... Those three unique videos also sort of bring in another thing into this album. I was completely unaware of the female backing vocals in this album. Okay. Or I was completely unaware of the female backing vocals within Jimmy Eat World. I haven't actually researched the name of the the girl who did them. Uh, I think I looked on Discogs. She's not done much else. So I assume she was like a friend of the band or just connected with them in some way. She was... Her name was Rachel Haddon. Additional vocals on Hear You Me. If you don't, you don't. If you don't, don't. 
Caution Ears and My Sundown, uncredited backup vocals for The Authority Song. Rachel Haddon is an American musician and one of the triplet daughters of jazz bassist Charlie Haddon. Okay. In early 1990s, Haddon played bass guitar for That Dog, a band that had also included her sister Petra. Her sister Tanya also contributed cello on several That Dog recordings. So, very much a musician in her own right. Oh, here we go. In 2001, Haddon toured as a backup singer and keyboardist for Jimmy Eat World and is credited on their album Bleed American release that same year. She contributed vocals to the DNTEL album, blah, blah. Yeah. That's it. No, she, she's very, you know, very good at what she she's doing with that. The the one that surprised me most through reading this, so Salt, well, what, what got called Salt Sweat Sugar, yeah, that is probably... Is Scott Whelan on this album? <laughs> he's not on this album, no, but that's probably one of the more heavier al- heavier songs on it. The middle almost never got included on the record. Right, okay. How so? And the reason for that, the reason it got included was because it was of Mark Trombino. Again, thank you, he, Mark. He brought the band round to, to doing it. He gave them, he played it back to them in a different way and they kind of appreciated it in it, you know, in it. In its right, in its rightful way, uh, but uh, Jim, the 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 singer from Jimmy World, he he didn't like. It's not that he didn't like it. Obviously, he wrote it. It was his song, but he had a concern that it was too easy, and he has this thing where if it was too easy, it's not earned. What too easy to play or too too easy a, a pop song? Like did too you, simple. Did you know I think it was too we- simple. And you know, if you go back over Jimmy World's other other things, other, other albums, so Clarity, that's got like a sixteen minute sort of complex track on it. And you're looking at some of the lyrics that we've we've talked about there, the Authority song and Praise Chorus that I'm going to come to. They, you know, they they have got really enticing and and sort of deep, shall I say, progressive lyrics in them mm-hmm. that that sort of make you explore a bit. Whereas the middle. Is just straight up, and it's probably one of the reasons it's so accessible, is because it is just a super poppy, nice, cool song. It's interesting that that that's his perspective because in listening to this song, one thing I was writing down is, and it's it's totally a rugby term because I'm a rugby fan and I've been watching a lot of rugby recently. And it's getting the basics right. I think that's something that Jimmy World did on this song was, quote, get the basics right. The songwriting, the vocals, the, the, the vocal performance and the vocal writing is just is just nothing complicated. You know, you've not you've not got a 16 minute epic, you know, orchestrated songs. You've just got how many how many songs are on this album? Uh, eleven. You've just got el- it was released. It was released with eleven songs. You've just got eleven really good, well, in my opinion, well written, nice songs. Don't get me wrong. There's one on the album that I think is probably the least interesting. It doesn't have this character of the others. But which one's that? I'd like to know. It is get it faster. Okay. Then I just it just didn't grab me like the other ones. All the other songs had something to them, you know. Authority song, the middle, your house sweetness, you know. Even uh, if you don't, you don't like. 
the way they use the title if you don't don't like through the sort of bridge in the chorus i thought was just worked super super well and was really really clever but then get faster i kind of get what it is about get faster that that they're doing but it just doesn't work for me as well as as every other song yeah. on the album my favorite song the one that comes on and makes me like stop what i'm doing mm-hmm. is cautioners cautioners i don't is... know yeah what it is it's just so epic the, i don't know whether it's the, the intro it's got this really like tight almost midi keyboard guitar sound yeah. at the beginning and then it just just broadens out and actually just stops me in my tracks every time i've i've put down that sort of caution ears to me is very similar to track six and seven so hear you me uh, again if you don't don't like these these songs whereas you've got your 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 bleed america and your praise chorus and in your middle of like sort of harder driving heavier rock songs these sort of other songs are far more mellow and far more chill and and break down the sort of the rock element and become a bit more poppy but really super catchy and really sort of deep i think the 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 word i've i've used here is a really nice chill moments with brevity like it sounds like every the meaning of the songs are very are very much there and very clear and yeah like cautioneers is a great song and again one one with them rachel Haddon on them yeah, you were talking about like the bands that I listened to at the beginning there. So the first half, that's got that sort of punky, rocky vibe to it. Yep. The second half, a bit more indie and a little more laid back. Mm-hmm. So there's a band that I listen to pretty much once a week, uh, the Manchester Orchestra. Okay. And they have, they have taken that sound that you get from Hear You Me, and My Sundown, and basically made entire albums from them. Fuck, can we talk about My Sundown? Fuck, man, please, can we not? I might actually almost burst into tears this morning just thinking about it, because it's, it's, it's a, it cuts deep, man. I, I saw your Instagram story. I love it. Like, I actually get like a sense of relief from this song, because it, it, it almost sort of like reminds me of a lesson I sort of learned in life a few years ago and that's what I think I I enjoy greatly about this album is that it's part you know sort of teeny it's not even angsty it's the album is not angsty but it's part like teenage bullshit and part like actual life lessons yeah it's about balancing your your personal needs versus your personal wants a very valuable lesson and yeah the, the sundown or sorry my my sundown with the with the line you know with 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 one hand high you'll show them your progress you'll take your time but no one cares and i've had this conversation with people before and people are a bit like oh keith that's kind of miserable but like i don't know at some point i could maybe say i stopped trying and i mean like professionally in work like i stopped caring because you know what? If I got hit by a bus tomorrow, they'd replace me the day after, and no one, yeah, and no that. one would know I was gone. You know, so don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't think I'm a slacker. I turn up to my job and I do my job because at the end of the day, I want to get paid. But like my Sunday, just sort of gave me that sort of reassurance that like 
fuck it no one cares like why why are you like stressing out of your tits why are you losing your mind over something that probably doesn't matter mm-hmm. just fucking just fucking chill and and get back to enjoying your life it's a good way of, that's a good positive spin on it the way i look at it given the tumultuous journey that the band had been through up to the recording of this getting signed after six months when they were 18 years old being sort of pushed around and not really getting their really their their due kind of what was what was owed to them through that that deal with capital and then leaving them this was sort of their like way of like we'll do it for ourselves we'll do it you know and and that's what i took from my sundown is like this is you know no one no one cares i'll do it for me i'm not going to do it for you i'm not going to do it for anybody else I'll do it for me. I'll do it for me or I'll do it for the band. But it's not for someone else's pay packet. It's not for someone else. And the middle, when you read the lyrics of that, it's got the same sort of feeling where it's like the first lines, hey, don't write yourself off yet. It's only in your head you feel left out. Yeah. And there's another life lesson where I've listened to the song and sort of interpreted it one way and you've listened to the song and interpreted it another way. Like, no one ever knows what's going on in each other's heads and you can have the exact same situation and it be completely interpreted two different ways. So that's 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 really interesting. And coming back to the middle, there's another great song with another really positive image of like, hey, you know, just, just don't don't worry about what other people are thinking and you just do you. And I like the middle as well in that it's it's very much a, like a, a story about just it's the middle is is referring to you being in the middle of a journey. Yeah, you're only half you're only halfway through the roller coaster. Yeah, and that is your twenties. You, that that is, that is you. You're you've got everything. You've you've done you've done some of it. You've got more to go. Don't write yourself off. Try your best. Everything you can. Don't worry about anybody else. Everything will be just fine everything will be all right and everything will be just fine so for anyone who's listening to this and is out there and you're going through some shit i don't know the shit you're going through but i think we've all been through some shit and hopefully at the end of that shit it does get better it will be all right in the end and and just try and power through that shit because there are great moments at the end of 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 shitty moments so there's another reason I enjoy this album greatly is because it has such a posy message. This is this is posy yeah. rock, you know what I mean? I love that it's. Uh, yes, I'm, I kind of have to keep talking about the middle. I think what's what's interesting listening to that as a as a seventeen year old and taking away the it'll be just fine, you know, away and you're like kind of jangling that in your head. And then as a, even like as a thirty five year old, I still feel like I'm in the middle of the ride. Yeah, definitely. I don't feel like I've gone any further than I was then. And obviously I've been through a lot. It's just this seeing yourself in the middle of the ride and everything will be fine. Just keep on doing what you do, do what you do best and you'll be absolutely great. Totally. A a message, a message for anyone of any age. Timeless. Even if I remember back to the, 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 the video for the, the the middle Christ I was going to say the message the message for the middle you know it's it's a house party right where like everyone's naked yeah, and driving away and or sorry dancing away but there's sort of two characters there that are perhaps uncomfortable with being naked well that's a social situation absolutely 
everyone hopefully yeah. at some point can 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 relate to and understand and be like yeah maybe i'm <laughs> at this party maybe there is shit going on that i'm not really comfortable with or or maybe i don't want to be here or for for x number of reasons and that yeah. you know the, the video always stuck with me as well as being like yeah this is there's that's that's a i don't know a good song a good guy song so that was like their first well they they were there was a dvd that jimmy at world released much like um the morning view sessions mm. where it was them talking about the making of the album and in one of the interviews uh they were talking about that this is probably one of their most professional videos that they've made to date and they had like all these like hot models like walking around in their in their swimwear and stuff mm. they had to escort some of the some of the boys away from the set all right were they being were they being horn dogs they were pitch intense. <laughs> and it's like this this camera's rolling, you know, and it's it's a they're trying to get the film on, they're trying to get this party vibe going. I'm saying I'm like Yeah, you, you just go over here and, and drink drink some water. I'm saying were they being were they being hard dog horn dogs and by no means in this in this twenty twenty one world do do I condone unwanted advances. It what I meant was they weren't. They weren't being like inappropriate. They That's weren't. That. Thank you for getting me back on track. They, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't inappropriately touching. They weren't doing anything like yeah. bad. Just, essentially, it was just they're just they're, teenage they're, fans that are are in this set where like they're just having natural bodily reactions. Yeah. So they they were they were getting a little bit excited and they were having a good time. We've all been and we've all been that that kid in the school to, class and just an involuntary. An involuntary pinger hit, so you're just like, "Fuck! What the fuck am I going to do? What the fuck am I going to get out of this?" So that was that was the middle video, and again, memorable video, very fun video to watch. It's um, clearly one that they put a bit into. The next video that came out was Sweetness, another interesting video, and another great song. A great song, a very much a. the video was shot by the same guy that did some Coldplay videos. I don't know if you remember. They they had some interesting videos. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're more interesting than fucking songs anyway. Um, but it was all on green screen. So compared to the middle, which had like a big set and cast and mm-hmm. everything, this was just a different experience for them. And it was their, sort of this big sort of cinematic green screen film. I have another sort of weird story with Green Day. Not Green Day. Fucking hell. Coldplay. Ah! Um, Coldplay. That again. Where I have to, I have to be, you know, put my hand up and say, credit where credit's due. I saw Coldplay live, and it was phenomenal. Okay. It was one of the best. I mean, I've obviously seen some great shows since, but just. So I've I've mentioned this festival a few times, Teen the Park. For anyone who's not aware, Teen the Park was Scotland's go-to biggest music festival for a good 15 years. And I did maybe a five, six-year stretch of going every year. Wow. Uh, I've only been once. I've only been once. I've been, I've been a few times in total, but I think I only did like five, six years in a row of camping, and then I was a bit more sporadic thereafter. We'll get to it eventually, but I saw Rage Against the Machine at Teen the Park. I've seen a lot of nice. bands at Teen. I saw a funeral for a friend at Teen the Park. 
twice once in a tent and then the next time on the enemy stage so in especially through this podcast team the park's going to come up a lot for me because it was integral into my sort of musical journey anyway where i think we had been we've been to see someone else i think i want to say the streets we'd maybe gone to see the streets on enemy that's what I love about Team the Park. You just see random acts. I saw yeah. Faithless by myself and it was incredible. The ground moved as I'm watching like God is a DJ absolutely tear my face off. And I was like, this is fucking like, you know, 17 getting emotional that like the like and I was the reason I saw Faithless was because I went to go see Funeral for a Friend on the NME stage and nobody wanted to come with me because no one was a fan fan and I was like, fuck you guys, I'm going to go see Funeral for a Friend. Like Saturday during the day, nobody wanted to go anywhere, everyone's back at the yeah. tents. So on my way back from NME stage, going past main stage, and I'm just like, oh, why is, why is everyone gathered? There's a lot of people here. Had a little look down, lifted up my laminate that I had around my neck that cost way too much money and I was like, Fucking Faithless are next. I'm just going to stand here and watch Faithless. And it was... <laughs> I'm, like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Wow. But back... I've, I've, I've only done Teen the Park. I've not even done like a full weekend at Teen the Park. I did one day at Teen the Park in 2005. And it was like headlined by Green Day at the end of the day. Yes. But the bands that I saw on that that day alone were some brilliant, brilliant acts. So... So got to see like Block Party, yeah. Uh, Kaiser Chiefs. Mm-hmm. My favorite of the day. Your code name is Milo. Huge. Your code name is Milo I just fan. You were say, they were, like, they were your on at like two. Is two, two... I was like, what? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Not quite. Didn't see them. Uh, again, they were on like two o'clock in the afternoon in like the the introducing stage. Yeah. And then the end of the day, got to see Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Uh, classic Tea in the Park and uh, Queens of the Stone Age mm. and um, it, the end of the day was Green Day I've seen Green Day and Foo Fighters twice because of Tea in the Park I've seen Green Day twice that was the, the second time the first time was I'd specifically gone out to, to see Green Day as, and it was like my first gig on my own Yeah, it was fucking terrifying I've, I've seen The Who because of Tea in the Park Good show. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it had it. I'll say it changed, but also so did I. You know, obviously it was a music festival. It had yeah. to play what was popular at the time. So as the later years went on, you know, but, uh, p- p- people like Lady Gaga came to Teen the Park, and I have no problem with Lady Gaga, but I'm also not paying hundreds of pounds to go to a music festival to see Lady Gaga. So it obviously got a bit more poppy and it got a bit more whatever it did. But back to Coldplay. So essentially yes. it's the story of, Faith, of Faithless where I was coming back from, I think it was the streets. My friend and I got separated from our other group of friends and we were just like, no, let's, let's, let's kick back. We weren't, we didn't get very far forward. We were just chilling at main stage and let's, let's watch Coldplay. It was phenomenal. Like it was just when they were doing a blood of rush to the, a rush of blood to the head. So clocks was everywhere, oh, yeah, okay. and and everything, and the light show and the lasers, and you know, at one point you could have told me I was watching Kraftwerk, and I'd have believed you. It was just to to say to say I wasn't a, a Coldplay fan and I wasn't interested in Coldplay. I came back that weekend and then I went and bought a Rush of Blood to the Head. That that's amazing. That 
a, a live performance would, would have that impact. And there's only one, not one time, but there's one time that stands out for me where seeing a band live for the very, very first time and just being like, as soon as they finish their set, it's just like, I must own their, I must get this album. I must purchase something that I can go and listen to this on the way home in the car or as soon as I get home, whatever. And that was Basement, the band I mentioned right at the beginning, who I now, in retrospect, sound just like Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. But but more modern, probably a little bit heavier, a bit more, a bit more like, I wouldn't say not hard, definitely not hardcore, but certainly more punky, definitely more upbeat. But they've got that same sort of vibe of, of with emotional lyrics, really like that you can tear into and, and have a have a good dig around in. Side note: the last song that actually got released. Sorry, and side I, note: just oh, just, yeah. just just to clarify, not a Coldplay fan. I went home. <laughs> I love I, that. <laughs> I went home. I bought Rush of Blood to the Head. I listened to it in my car, and I never listened to it again because obviously wow. the recording, the CD album was way more disappointing than the actual live performance. And yeah, yeah I obviously I was uh, I was a bit younger and, uh, you know, there was uh, I wasn't in a particularly um, sober state of mind, shall we say, watching them. But my friend and I still talk about it. We're still like, that was a fucking... Remember when we went to see Coldplay? And that was a fucking great show, man. <laughs> I would never go and see them live by choice, but oh, yeah, if they were on at a festival, I would. The last song that got released off... Um, Bleed American is one that I didn't even know got released so it never charted in the UK I've never seen the video and it was a praise chorus I never knew that either it got to number 16 in the US alt play chart no UK release I love this song I love the ending of it especially with the the callbacks to all the lyrics and other bands and things on, on the way and that's got a Davy Von Ballhell who's the singer from The Promise Ring. And that's when he's just... When Jim lines all these lyrics up. So Crimson and Clover, over and over, is a a callback to a song called Crimson and Clover by uh, Tommy James and the Shondells. Mm -hmm. You know, a sort of 60s psychedelic rock, rock band, if you will. Uh, Our House in the Middle of the Street... Madness. Our I house. never, I never picked up on any of this because I and the, the the vocal line of Crimson and Clover I really enjoy. Like it's probably going to be my next collar tattoo. But like, <laughs> I just, I just really, just the the Crimson Clover. I I just and then the other vocals come in. I'm too busy still listening to to the Crimson and Clover line. So I I had no idea this existed. The la- the layers of this and so then and it's like why did we ever meet? That's the promise ring. Started my rock and roll fantasy is Bad Company. Don't Don't Let Start is from Don't Let Start by They Might Be Giants. Back to another Promise Ring song, All of My Everything's Why Did We Ever Part. And then the last one's Kickstock Kickstart My Rock and Roll Heart. A wow. Motley Crew reference. I had no idea that was all there. Man, this the recording of this album. I I implore anyone who's gonna go back so I know some of our listeners, they like to listen to this, the album before they listen to this, perhaps. Good on you, if, by the way. Yeah, great. Follow along. Join us on this journey. 
But I really, really implore you, if you hear me saying this, go back and listen to the entire album with headphones on. It is, it's got some really well hidden sub sort of sonic moments that my favourite is is on Cautioners. Mm -hmm. And if you turn the bass up on your headphones, it's got this... So it pans because it pans from left to right. But there's this little like vibration. I can't describe it. It just hits each are ear your, left, right, left. And it's beautiful. Are your headphones it's, broken? Well, I thought they were. And I, I was like, maybe I'll maybe will it do it on another pair. And it did it on every pair. So they're not all broken, I hope. What's your, um, on that then, what's your, what's your sort of go to for listening to albums? We've never really discussed this. What's what, your process? What for- What's your process? How do you how when we, when we're picking an album and we've done our episode and we then go on to the next album and start listening to that album for the first time? How mm-hmm. where, where where do you begin? How, how do you do it? Because I've got three distinct methods of listening that I, I that I sort of try and get through. Generally, it all depends on on my um, situation. Usually, we've had these conversations. Sort of peek behind the curtain for anyone who's who's interested. We've had these conversations on a Thursday night, so we have an entire week to release on the Friday morning. Yeah. So I'm listening. So when you, when the listener hears or sees the release of the latest episode, I'm listening or starting listening to what I need to listen to for the following week. Yeah. So Friday morning, I'm generally in the car. So my yeah. first listen is usually going to be in the car which is probably single-handedly the worst place to listen to <laughs> to detail in music. Yeah, if if you want to get the oh, what's what's the right word to 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 use here? If you want to get the oh, for lack of a better word, it's lo- I've lost it. The depth of the song. If you if you if you know if you want to get the actual sort of layers of the song, the car is the worst place. But it's also one of the places I make sure I listen to music because I always listen to music in the yep. car. And you do, you in every place you pick up different things. So I always like to sort of know what what, what the, the, the thing sounds like. In a Are there people that exist in the world that don't listen to something while they're driving? Yeah, probably people like Hitler and Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I'd imagine. And, and Elon Musk, like proper crazies. I, I hope so because... I, I don't know how I can drive. I, I when when there is no sound, it's usually because I'm parking, because you have to turn the music off to park, or when I'm lost, because oh, yeah. you have to you know turn the music down when you if trying to find. Trying if there's no music in my car, I can then hear all the noises my car makes, and I'm like, mm, don't want to pay for that. <laughs> don't want don't want that sound going through going through a tunnel, and you hear this like it's like that's not meant to do that. Yep. Yeah, that's just just a flat tire. It's fine. If you, if you, if you um, drive faster, it goes away. There we go. Any, anywhere else? Car, right, so headphones. Then, then I would normally resort to. Um, I've got a, a hi-fi system. I would. L- I don't get enough opportunity to really kick back and put the hi-fi on. Mm-hmm. I might listen to it again, not in a way that's going to ever reveal any detail. But I've got a like a, a Google Home Mini in the kitchen, so it's often on when I'm oh when I'm God. cooking or or having some lunch. That might be on. Uh, it's usually just playing Radio Two. It's like the most advanced radio in the world. 
They all are. But the the majority of time is I listen to music while I'm working and I've got my Spotify or Deezer or whatever flavor of the week is on the free trials. Um, I've got three different sets of headphones that I, four sets of headphones, sorry, that I'll rotate through depending on wow, okay. depending on the type of music that I'm listening to. Um, yeah. The majority of it I like to listen to on open back headphones as it's effectively like having speakers just next to your face and you get like a really open sound to it. But if I'm trying to drown out background noise and hear details, that's when I'll switch to in-ear monitors or closed back headphones to get some feel a bit of bass and if there's any feelings mm. like that I need. So I just, that's my process. And then come the next time for recording, there I am. You, you know the album. No, that's cool. I mean, I'll, I'll quickly, I'll quickly yeah. go over mine then. H- headphones car and working from home, but like my sort of Bluetooth speaker that I have when I'm working at home. So that's generally my first port of call and I'll, and I'll get, and it's a pretty good speaker. So I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that and, and, and work off of that and sort of start to get to know the album. And then I, I walk around the house a lot with my headphones on, with my Bluetooth headphones. So... You know, I could be making a cup of tea, I could be making breakfast, I could be making dinner, I could be, you know, do, doing whatever. And if I've got headphones on, that's generally also when I listen to podcasts. But I'll pick up the, the albums as well. And then, you know, and that's that includes going to the gym or whatever. And then I'll go to when I'm driving is when I'll put it on in the car. And it doesn't matter where I'm going or, or what I'm doing or whatever. So that's just sort of my three, my three box ticks is sort of a speaker, like open air, in the car and headphones is sort of my rationale behind it all. I like to try and experiment and find better ways to listen to music, more comfortable ways. Right now, given that I'm working from home, I can put on a pair of, you know, closed back and open back headphones that are not good for office environments. But I used to do a lot of walking when I went, I used to work in an office, I would do a lot of walking and that was when I got to listen to things. That's something I don't do anymore and it's something I miss because I used to pick up on a lot of of tunes. I used to send, anytime I used to send you things off my playlist, if I was putting on a daily mix or my release radar, that was usually on my walk to work that I'd discover these things and that seemed to be my time for discovery and I don't feel like I've had a lot of time for that because I'm sitting at a desk doing work i have to keep reminding myself like i'm not allowed to search for things i have to pick an album and just press play and then turn my phone upside down or whatever no i, t- I totally understand and, and sort of feel you there like yeah like i i used to listen to my sort of recommended lists a lot on you know from spotify and yes yeah, some of them are absolute garbage and some of them are pretty good it's less so now because i'm not like i'm not driving to work anymore or i'm not i'm not like, my sort of journeys are or less, or my partner's in the car now, or whatever, like, because we're going to the same place, etc. So, yeah, I, I feel you there. But will we get back onto Jimmy Eat World? Well, I've I've pretty much given as much as, as I can. My first experience of Jimmy Eat World was, I heard what was at the time called Salt, Sweat, Sugar on Kerrang! or MTV2, and I was instantly like, yep, this one's for me, I love this. Then uh, The Middle came out, I did the old school 
digging around on the peer-to-peer sharing website and found some demos. Classic. Uh, I found like the the demo for called Bleed American, which was just a poor, probably a live recording of something that someone had sort of made or found. Yeah, it wasn't. Then I did follow the band through their next two albums. So unlike Finch, where we've pretty much agreed that it was what it is to burn, and that was it, yeah. effectively. S- sorry, Finch, no, no offence, but it was a bit of a one-hit wonder and then done. These guys, the next album that came out, Futures, just blew me away at the time. It was just the okay. right sound for the right time. I was into probably slightly less heavy music at the time i wasn't really listening to so much metal i'd probably mellowed out a little bit from like my pan my pantera metallica phase that i'd went through shortly after this and then hit that sort of i was listening to a lot of like british indie bands and the the album futures sort of bridged the gap between that that sound and that pop punk sound futures is anyone who's listened to bleed american i would so strongly recommend you go and listen to futures it is an absolute banger of an album and it came out like three years later clearly they'd made their mark on on their with their brand their name and their sound and the industry that they were this was by this by this point they're now in interscope records because dreamworks records only released that one album and guess what? DreamWorks became part of the Universal Media Group. Guess who yeah. else became part of the Universal Media Group? Capital Records. So they all just end up combining into one fucking amalgamated... Ugh. So who did they go after? They ended up on Interscope for, for the follow-up album, Futures. And yeah, that album has got possibly one of my favorite favorite jimmy world songs on it which is because it was on i want to say it was on burnout three i could be wrong okay it was on one of the burnout games just tonight and it's got this just driving guitar line in it that can't i can't escape uh love it absolutely love it and then the following album after that as well i gave a lot of time to i i think I listened to Chase This Light probably as much as Futures as it was the the album was a go-to for driving. I, I always associate driving with Chase This Light. I don't know whether it was every time I had like a friend in the car that I didn't want yep. to expose to what music I was listening to in 2007. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really think putting on Parkway Drive or... Yeah, no, we've all got the Elijah or something like that. I don't think it was really appropriate to put that on when I had friends in the car. Fuck the Elijah. (laughs) So, so I went, so Chase This Light was my like go to album. And it's basically this was, this was the one they played when they were supporting the Foo Fighters. Oh, I'm so glad you said Foo Fighters because I've, I've, I've got a note here and it's, I wonder if the palm mute was all the rage during this. (laughs) It's, that is that is because, sums up Jimmy World's playing style to a T. Yeah. Yes. It, or did Dave Grohl rip them off? Because all my life Din 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 came out in two thousand and two. 
Did it? Was it? Too, was it that? But, bad? Wait. No, I'm not. I'm not claiming Jimmy Eat World invented the palm mute. I know they didn't invent invent the palm mute, but just there's there's it, 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 it appears a lot on this album, and of course you've got it's. I think it's in Bleed America. It's it's definitely in the middle. Yeah, it's quite yeah, prevalent yeah. in the middle, and it's it's in it's in other songs as well. And I was just kind of like, hmm, who who did this first? Was it Jimmy Eat World or was it Dave? I am Rose? an absolute sucker for a palm mute. I love palm mute guitar. Oh. It is the way it's meant to sound it just always just brings this sort of warmth and depth to the the well, sound i'm like yeah this is this is driving i mean look look, yeah. look at where it went afterwards you know look at look at where it, where it sort of how the palm mute was put into metalcore and and stuff like that and now we've got gent like yeah fucking i i i am a sucker for a good palm mute there's, there's a journey and 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 i just laughed a little bit at like who who did it first, Jimmy World or <laughs> the or Foo, Fighters. Foo Fighters? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they. It was probably invented, a, you know, a damn sight earlier than that, and popularized by others. Um, because, yeah, they they would. That- if we were to go back and and look at sort of, I don't know, two thousand to two thousand and three, how many songs had had the sort of the one finger palm mute riff in them? Yeah, totally. Just drop D, palm mute those top three strings. That's all you needed. Dun 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 dun. Just, dun. Dun, sliding dun, up and down. Dun, 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 Loved dun, dun. it. No, good, good times, man. Good uh, times. Uh, yeah, this was this was a really special album to go back to, and I didn't recognize how special it was until this last week. I have to, I have to be honest. This has been really eye-opening listening to Bleed American with with my thirty-five-year-old brain and and more sort of acquired tastes over the last twenty years. Yeah, this. This is this yeah. is up there. This is absolutely up there with one of my greatest albums now. As as we've sort of been discussing throughout the whole the whole the whole time, yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed this album. Again, the the, the Beat America, Soul Sweet Sugar, the middle, the sweetness. I enjoyed those songs at the time, but for whatever reason, wherever I was in in my musical journey, they didn't grab me, and I didn't I didn't really even listen to this album, let alone anything before or after so i'm kind of clueless as to what or where jimmy world went i've just seen actually one of their most recent videos i think the song's called 555 looks fucking weird and the song actually sounded quite cool so i'm gonna go check out that album i'm probably gonna give jimmy world a bit of a shot here i might go listen to some some other stuff the you were saying you know you sort of put them on in the car to not scare friends that weren't into metal or whatever I'm definitely going to put some of these songs into like sort of some family oriented playlists, you know, when we when we do like dinner or whatever, or we have like family rounds. Like, the I'll I'll make playlists that have got sort of like boomer friendly songs in them, for lack of a better. Something word. we've touched on in previous episodes as well is is a band's stability and having a solid base for a band helps you grow and continue to make good music other than their very very first album where they changed bassist in like 1996 95 even it has remained the same four piece from 96 to date and they were just they were all school friends they were they were they were like childhood friends so it's that relationship has allowed them to just be a really consistent and high-performing, really, really 
superb band and I recommend I've not listened to really them too much since uh Chase This Light through no fault of through no fault of them. It was purely just what where my tastes were going, but I will absolutely be giving my time to the next three albums that came out after Invented, Damage and Integrity Blues and then more recently Surviving. I, I want to give them a listen and I want to see what journey they've been on as a band. Nah, really, really good point about the the members themselves and how they essentially have been the same band since 1995. That's That does always... And, and, and I did notice that and that always sort of stands out to me as like, that's... It shows not not that bands that that don't have this can't can't be as good, but it shows the the consistency and the sort of I don't know where it, it shows the consistency and it shows you know the, the the love of the craft and they clearly love what they're doing if they've if they've gone through one two three four five six seven eight nine ten ten albums, fucking good on you, Jimmy World, good on you. Yeah, been on a been on a. A journey with this and i you hope look I'll... like you've been on a journey with this mate like you genuinely look like you've uh you're you've, you're coming to the end of the road here and you're just like man that was that was, that was some good times some good times I, I can't i can't wait to go through the rest of it i can't i really can't um so yeah that was that was my experience of jimmy world's bleed american and i'm pleased that i got to bring you along for the ride as well and thank you again. Thank you. What what a fucking journey it was. Uh, if if any of our listeners out there feel the same, if 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 you are new to Jimmy Eat World, drop us a little tweet, drop us a little DM, drop us a little whatever the hell Instagram is or Facebook if 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 you're over fifty, uh, <laughs> and let us know. Did did you feel the same? Like did you listen to Jimmy Eat World or were you always a fan? What did you think of Bleed America? because or bleed american because one thing we've not spoken about actually the title bleed american makes me sort of think of like sort of uh offspring and americana yeah but it's, i don't it's, get that from the songs it's meant to be a sort of uh, the, the way i've seen it described by uh someone else is that it if you put a comma in bleed american it's like if you cut it open it would just bleed red, white, and blue. It's all yep. about the content. It just contains so much American influences, so many American styles and thought processes like that. Again, the optimism, the referencing other American bands other than Madness, um, referencing all the sounds and styles. So when you look at like the Authority song, Authority song is you know, if you if anyone's ever heard that sort of like a an 80s country song i'd never heard yeah, it until yeah. until i listened to it uh, the other day and you know it's just got an extremely american feel about it and that was what it was meant to be it's meant to be sort of a, a throwback to you know th- this is sort of <laughs> almost like a bruce springsteen album it's like yeah, you, you cut, sure. cut this open and it'll just be the boss standing there with his telecaster like if these were bruce if it was bruce springsteen performing these songs you wouldn't bat an eyelid yeah, I think in a post-Trump world, America needs this album back. Definitely, like it needs this. It needs this music again to get back to that sort of wholesome place. Very wholesome. Because very wholesome. It's, uh, wow, yeah. we're not a political podcast. We're not a political podcast. But yeah, Lav, thank thank you very much for taking us through "Bleed America" by Jimmy Eat World. Why don't you 
take us home. Well, you've not told us what you're going to do next week, Keith. Oh, piss. Piss and shit. No, that's fine. I know what I'm doing. Do you really? You're not going to change your mind like I did last week? No, because of... uh, Well, I'm not going to do Rage Against the Machine. We're we're waiting for that one, aren't we? I think we need to keep that. So, I'm not going to do Rage Against the Machine, but I'm going to do three-fourths of Rage Against the Machine. Oh, quick maths. Three-fourths of Rage Against the Machine, and I am going to do Audio Slave. Good. By Audio Slave. The the self-titled... Upon is it when you when a self-titled album is it eponymous? Is that what eponymous means? I don't know. Is is there any way for us to find out? Yeah, it's called it's called the internet. <laughs> right, you. I'll, well, I fill. Do you fill? Eponymous of person of person giving their name to something. There you go. The eponymous album is named after a particular person of group. Their eponymous debut LP of a thing. Yes. So. We're going to be listening to the eponymous audio sleeve. That doesn't sound. You made that way more complicated than it needed that to be. Doesn't sound. Yes, yeah, doesn't sound right at all. We're going to listen to audio sleeve by audio sleeve. Sounds really crap, but whatever. Let's do it. <laughs> what the the album? No, just saying. Saying like it was like when I ended last week with like I'm going to listen to Jimmy at World by Jimmy at World. Uh, oh, we're doing well, that's that's funny. We're doing two back to back. Technically, sorry, te- two two eponymous albums back to back. Technically, it's not eponymous Almost, anymore, as we've yeah. discussed. But anyway, true. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been Alive or Just Blethering. Again, head on over to our Instagram or Twitter at AOGB Podcast for all of the latest updates. Some associated memes, perhaps. Sometimes we like to put some stories up about the music we're listening to by accident. Don't know if anyone noticed that one. But uh, next you time, mean to do that. I did not mean to do that. Oh, the first accidental <laughs> post. Oh, quality. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm giving away what we're listening to next week. Maybe I'm not because I actually posted the wrong album. Anyway, next time Great on stuff. Alive or Just Blethering, Keith is going to be taking us through Audio Slave by Audio Slave. Thanks very much. Good night. Good night.